Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Hour Time Podcast, a podcast for watch geeks by watch geeks. I'm John Biggs. I'm Victor Marks. And I'm Nicholas DeLeon. Look at us, boys. We are back. The happiness exudes out of every pore. How are you? How, how, how are you guys? I'm fantastic. Thank you for asking. <laughs> I am also okay. You're Ending okay? the year on a very high note. A very high note, because we're bringing back the podcast is the, is the high note. So exactly, it, yeah. For those who are not in the know, who those who are not aware of this, we used to do a podcast. I used to do it with Ariel Adams called Our Time. Uh, then I did it with, uh, and I did it with Victor and it didn't work out because we were just so exhausted because we're old and Nicholas, who is a young man with a, with, I mean, his entire life ahead of him, Nicholas Leon, such energy, such enthusiasm, such energy and enthusiasm. He has his whole life ahead of him. And he says to us, why don't we redo the podcast? Cause he likes the podcast. And I said, you know what? Podcasts are awful. And he said, no, they're not awful. They're the best thing. So Nicholas, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and, and how sure. we know each other? Well, yes. Well, thank you for the for the kind words, I suppose. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, I have known John for roughly 15 years. I am a, I guess I won't say where I work. I am a professional technology reporter. We'll leave mm -hmm. it at that. Uh, I have I worked with John at many fine publications, including uh, Gizmodo uh, at TechCrunch. Uh, and I guess uh, those were the two formal places, but we've kept in touch uh, for 15 years. He is a, a close, dear friend. And I do recall being, uh, I, I am, uh, I'll be 35 years old in February. And I, I recall being like 22, 23 and teasing John about his watch obsession. obsession. Mm -hmm. John, who cares about watches? What a who waste of money. Who cares about watches? And we're looking at you now, punk. Here we are 15 <laughs> years later. And I'm like, I've, I've, uh, I'm in deep. I've spent, so, uh, so what uh, happened? You changed that? How, how'd you get in deep in watches? It's an interesting question. I don't really know. And it's funny cause I, I, in Isn't all your my phone life, good enough? it, 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 I don't know. That's a very philosophical question. Is my phone good? Enough? Uh, if you look <laughs> at like, my photos as a kid, I always had a watch on and I always had like, you know, the Burger King watch or like some Timex or whatever. Uh, I stopped wearing them, I think, in college because, yeah, I had a phone and who cares. Uh, but I, I guess ultimately it was the Apple Watch that kind of got me, got me back into it. You know, I got into cycling and the Apple Watch is very good at like tracking calories burned and the whole nine yards. And, and really from the Apple Watch, it's like, OK, well, this is fun. Uh, but what, what other watches are there? And then you start, you start Googling watches, you start watching watch stuff on YouTube and start seeing the big sites and the message boards. Uh, and then I was like, Oh, wait a minute. John has a watch site. And then started <laughs> reading this quote and it was like, so that's basically the gist of it. You can, you can blame, uh, the fruit company for sort of rekindling my, uh, yeah. interest in watches. And, and that's how everyone thinks of wristwatch review is, Oh yeah. John has a watch site. Doesn't mm -hmm. he still doing that thing? Yeah. Yeah. And and you know what, you know, Nicholas, you've actually, you've actually like a, you shot a small breath of fresh air into my life because you're fascinated by this thing again in a way that I can't really be because I'm so exhausted and, and, and despise all existence. Um, sure. Well, you know, I mean, my take, my take on the watch site, my take on watches and Victor, you can, you can comment on this as well, is that they're an amazing, they're the, they're the perfect artifact of, of a, the industrial age 100 percent, they're the best thing in the world they're really cool 
but I'm so frustrated with how they're how they're treated, how they're marketed, how they're sold, how what, what the perception of watches is in the world. That yeah, you can just replace a fine I don't know Omega with a uh, with your with your phone, which I don't think like is Android. absolutely true. Yeah, with your Android phone, which is. And again, I don't want to. I don't want to argue these. I don't want to argue these points. I don't want to. I don't wanna relitigate these things. And also, the thing that that I feel is that there's. I've gotten to a point where I don't. I don't actually care uh, so much about them because the whole industry is so frustrating to me. And you haven't. You haven't experienced this yet, but. No, I'm new. I'm new to this side. Time to disillusion you yet? Yeah, I'm only a year into like I would say being an enthusiast, like caring Mm -hmm. and like reading the sites and like and like being on top of like oh Basel World. Like I didn't know Basel World existed two years ago. Don't worry, another year it won't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the funny thing. Uh, so I am new. Uh, you know, I am also new as a contributor to the site, as as a, rep- a watch reporter, so to speak, and dealing with the company. You know, I've done this in my professional career with technology companies like Apple, like Google, and Microsoft, all those guys. So I'm sort of used to this uh, this structure. But this is the first time I'm doing it with watches and and getting to know the people and which companies, how they act, and who is easier to approach. And who is all this stuff is all new to me, so I'm still excited. But I do look forward to the day where where I'm like, I don't care anymore. I hate I hate everything and everyone. So it, yeah. am I am I being unfair here, Victor? Am I being am I being needlessly uh, cruel? Not really. I mean, it's a stodgy industry, and the fans are stodgy are, or dodgy. Um, stodgy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's less dodgy, more stodgy. Yep. The fans are, are stuck in their ways, right? People, people fall into, into worshiping their favorite brands and everything that comes out from every new release of those favorite brands or generally not caring. And there are very few people who are, are either surprised or take pleasure in new releases. And so the brands do their best to market them the same way they always have. And very little changes, very little improves. Very little changes and improves. That's the that's the hardest thing. And if it and, and if it is an improvement, it's a it costs a hundred thousand dollars to just even like go go through the door. I mean, there are a few different things happening this year specifically. Um, first of all, like I said, Basel World kind of going down the tubes, and that's that's been a disaster happening in slow motion, right? That's where. Rolex said, we're not coming. And then Swatch Group said, you know what? We aren't either. And so now who's going to actually pay for the convention hall? Right. That was my perception. As, as, a, as a noob, uh, it did feel that like the, the, this, the momentum was being kind of sucked out of the show and then COVID happened and everything. Well, yeah, it, yeah. So, so brands realized that what they could do instead of having a big, fancy, expensive convention hall in, in Basel was go ahead and just invite their favorite press on a junket. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, that sounds a lot, not to make too many comparisons to like the tech industry, which me and Biggs have covered for 15 years, but like, it's the same thing as CES or Comdex back in the day or, or E3, the big video game convention. It's like, why should Microsoft or Apple pay to attend CES when they can just invite the press at a moment's notice to Cupertino to come to the iPhone launch? It's like, why? So I, I see that. And it, it, it's, it's actually interesting to see those little direct parallels. Yeah. And the other thing that happened was that in the past, the the Swiss watch companies especially have always had their authorized dealers. And the, the point was that you had to buy the watch through their authorized dealer network. And this year, that's getting interesting because they've moved those sales online and, and also to direct. So you can buy directly from the manufacturer in some cases. So it's, it's changing. 
Does that a huge sweeping change? Does that make it easier? Uh, not sure, mm-hmm. but it's certainly different. Uh, all right. Anyway, so let's not. So I don't. I don't want to belabor the That's point. That's boring. Yeah, I don't want to belabor the point. What What are we wearing today, lads? Who should go first? Why don't you go first, John? You're, this is your site. This is your ultimately. This is your your intellectual property. My intellectual podcast. property. I'm wearing the uh, I'm wearing the Omega GMT Seamaster Chrono. Are you familiar with this model? Offhand, no, but it sounds sounds very nice. What so, a, it's, what a... so it's a big, so it's a big thick Seamaster. We could maybe put a post, a pic, picture of it up. Uh, and the Seamaster is noted for its uh, baton, like uh, arrow and baton hands, I guess you would call it. So these kind of like little, uh, is it like the broad arrow thing? No, not the broad arrow. The broad arrows are like a wider, a wider hand that's full of loom. These are uh, these are lines that culminate in either like a dot or a triangle. Oh, this um, is the uh, the James Bond Seamaster hand. Yeah, exactly. So, but this this is this is a black is a black face, and it has a GMT hand. Uh, I sold a previous Seamaster uh, Chrono, the blue face with the wavy dial. Uh, I gave that I traded that in for this one because I wanted the GMT function on this one. Let me jump in very quickly to say a year ago, I did not know what GMT meant in this. Con- I would, you could have said means, GMT. Means, yeah, I would have been like, I don't. The gargoyles, <laughs> maleficent, uh, yes. malevolent. Uh, That's how new I am. <laughs> malevolent. Uh, Transylvanian. Yeah. Yeah. See, see how, see how proud we are. We're, you're, you're, you're learning, you're learning new things every day. What are you wearing there, Victor? I got nothing. Nothing. You're not wearing a watch. Not wearing a watch today. Is that allowed? No, <laughs> breaking According, all yeah. the rules. Breaking all the rules, man. So, so this is a qu- this is a good question. You do a lot of work on your car. You do a lot of uh, you do a lot of your house catches fire quite often. Frequently. When you do like when you do like manual work like that, what do you wear? Uh, quartz, or I take the watch off. Interesting. So you're so you're concerned you're concerned that your watch is going to get beat up by I don't know by the hammer or whatever that you're using. See, uh, I'm, I. I one year, several years ago, my dad was wearing his tutor mm-hmm. and he has a, a, a tutor Prince date that was given to him for, for 25 years of service at his job back when companies still gave out watches. And, uh, he was wearing that and we were changing the camshaft on a 1962 Chevrolet and he cracked the crystal mm. and that, that led to six months of fighting with the the Rolex service center over which crystal should be on this watch because they decided they wanted to put acrylic, but it had been originally shipped with a sapphire. So, so what so I just wear a quartz watch when I work on the car. Yeah. I guess you're right. I mean I I, sh- I should do that. I was I was when I built the uh, when I built my little library outside I was wearing a I was hammering and everything with like a freaking electric watch uh, for an, uh, an automatic watch and that's probably a bad idea I think. I mean, they, they always show these neat pictures in the, the magazine ads of the, the golfers, the pro golfers wearing yeah. an automatic watch. It's the detail they don't tell you is that the pro golfer can just ask the company for a fresh one. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you, when you swing your, when you swing the, um, the golf club like that, you basically start spinning the freaking gear, the, the, the weight inside like a, yeah. Yeah. Like an explosion. What are you wearing there? Uh, Nicholas. I have on today the Oris Big Crown, the Roberto Clemente edition that came out. A few Roberto ago. Clemente. Yes, this is on loan from Oris. This is another thing I, I, that is you know exactly the same as the technology world. It's like you have the iPhone for a month and then you send it back. So I have this Oris on loan for about another week, 
and then it gets sent back. I uh, I really like it. Uh, you know, it, perhaps I don't know fifteen hundred dollars is in the cards for me right now, mm-hmm. uh, but it is. Uh, I love I love the dial. I, lo- I love I love just the kind of the color scheme it has, the, the, the color. So so speakers. describe it really quickly. Like, is it a dive watch? Is it what, what, what's it, going on? It's uh, I it's it's certainly not a dive watch. It, maybe a field watch. It, I, it's probably More the closest watch, like, yeah. height I would call it. Uh, silver silver bezel, kind of gold gold hands, gold cathedral hands. Uh, it's got a an interesting sort of date implementation. It doesn't have like the date day date wheel. It has a, a date kind of all the dates around the dial, and it has a dedicated date hand. Almost imagine like a GMT. Yeah, yeah. But so instead of spinning a a, yes, a exactly. wheel, it's spinning a hand. Yeah, uh, which I had dial. never seen before. Uh, it's just an interesting, you know, interesting quirk to it. Oh uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it just feels and uh, the a big thing that I've noticed with watches, you know, again, I'm o- I'm only a year into this. Is that I actually have very small wrists. They're like maybe six and a half inches, uh, and so watch size, like I cannot wear very big watches. I have, uh, I think the biggest I have is uh, a Seiko King Turtle, which is like maybe 43 millimeters, 44. It, it is, it just looks ridiculous to be honest. It, it looks like, like a baby is wearing. Right. Uh, the, the dinner plate so, look is not for you. Huh? Yeah. So I'm, it, and it's annoying too, because, and, and this is something I've also learned that I guess a couple of years ago, uh, the watch industry had like a very big watch phase where like bigger was better. And that's kind of like going the going other on. direction. Uh, but like a lot of watches just too, just too big. This is why, you know, I really like, you know, you mentioned Tudor a second ago. I really like the Tudor Black Bay 58. Uh, one day I would like to own that. Uh, I like the, uh, so, you know, some of Seiko stuffs is fine. I, I do like the uh, the Grand Seiko Snowflake as well. I tried that on a couple months ago at the store. Uh, but yeah, like watch size is like a real, it's actually kind of annoying just to like have to like live with the fact that I have kind of small wrists and a lot of very, like I could never wear uh, the Omega Seamaster, I don't think. It, it mm-hmm. would just look ridiculous on my wrist. And it's, you know, it's a real shame is what I'll say. I think, so first off, I think the, the, the big watch, the big watch craze is slowly, but surely, uh, it's still slowly, but surely, I don't know. I think it's changing. I think it's changing. Like, especially like the, uh, like those Oris, those Ori and the Tudors. I'm also, I'm going to argue that like, I think Reddit to a degree has, has had an effect on this. You're basically in the situation where, where you have, where people are basically focusing on a couple special watches. I, I don't really see like a gigantic watch anymore. Like my, my watch is actually fairly unusual. Like it's fairly thick. It's fairly big. Um, and I just don't see that as popular, that popular anymore. I mean, when, when I've talked to the people that do the distribution and sales into the, the retailers, they tell me that the ones that sell are the big ones still. And hmm. as long as that data is getting pushed back up to corporate, those are the ones they're going to keep making. The The Black Bay 58 is an outlier. The the Oris in the 39 millimeter size, the, the Diver 65, the small one, is kind of the outlier. Hmm. I no. wish you were right. I wish it was going smaller. Yeah. It's not. You know what it is? I, I think it's just because I haven't seen anybody's wrist in about a year. 
that that there you go. <laughs> but I, I believe you, Victor, because that's the same thing. And this is the final tech comparison I'll make. But like, if you talk to the phone companies like LG and Samsung, mm-hmm. they all also tell you like, oh, cust- you know, consumers love bigger phones. That's why they're that's why you make them bigger and bigger because people they see a bigger display and they assume oh more value. Of course, I want a bigger display. I want a bigger screen for my more thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I so can I rub can it all see, over my face. Mm-hmm. I can see that mentality in watches where people are like, oh, I, it's of course I want it to be as as big as humanly possible. I'm paying you know whatever amount of money for this thing. So it is, I don't know this this obsession with bigness. Uh, I don't know. For me, I, like I said, I, I I just can't. There are a lot of watches I I look at. I see them on Reddit and they look very nice. Uh, but I will never be able to wear them without looking like a fool. Basically. Well, I want to tell you one thing about big watches, which is if they are thin and big mm-hmm. or or the bracelet comes off the lugs at the right angle you you can still pull it off like for example live watches makes big watches but they wear reasonably comfortably um nove watch is one that that patrick and i reviewed recently on the site where it's it's a gigantic dinner plate but it's thin like the the quartz version is six millimeters thin and the automatic is is pushing it at about 13 and that helps it a lot. You just got to try things on. Yeah, no, I hear you. It, it's it's it is just a, a frustrating. You know, you you look and again, I spend a lot of time on Reddit, on Instagram, and uh, Watch You Seek, and all the all those sites that you guys are probably like. You you still go to Watch You Seek that type of thing, and then I see I see the <laughs> Omegas and like all the. It's 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 it is frustrating. I don't know. It's it's you know I, I and, and that's the other thing too is like you buy watches online, you can't really tell, especially when I was especially you know let's say eight nine months ago when I was super new to this, and I'm just like oh I like the look of that dial, I'll buy it, and then you get it you know get, it comes in the mail and it's like I can't wear this insane thing, I look ridiculous. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if there's a word. Perhaps there's a word in German for uh, feeling frustrated <laughs> by having a small wrist and not, not being able to wear big watches. Hundenschmerz. Hundenschmerz. That sounds like it. Yeah. 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 All right. So I think so. Our our topic. We're not going to talk about what happened in the watch world uh, right now because nothing's really happened in the watch world, unfortunately. Uh, what what have we what have we discovered? over this year that we learned about watches what do we love about watches what's what's keeping us what's keeping us alive victor who's not wearing one today um exactly (laughs) yeah i i still appreciate a good dial a a, a really a good dial that's well executed even if it's not an interesting dial or an ornate dial makes a difference for me a nice dial I like a nice dial. I, 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 you know, I'm fine if there's a Japanese movement behind it. If the dial and the case are executed well, I'm happy. Nicholas, what do you, what do you, what do you like about? Well, you just learned about watches, right? I, I, yeah. I, the, the way I'll answer that is that the way I sort of uh, function with, with, you know, basically throughout my life is like I'll, I'll glom onto a thing, and if I'm into it, I'll just dive deep 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 and like i'm i'm drowning in it so watches are one of those things where it's like i i uh, oh i noticed it and then i dived in and then like i'm now i'm in it it's too late i'm 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 totally in it uh you know i don't know anything about cars i don't know anything about uh you know fancy liquors i ne- they never interested me but for whatever reason watches like grab me and 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 they haven't let go yet so we'll see in terms of like what do i like about a watch i i suppose uh, I'm also a, a dial person. I, I'm very attracted to like a nice looking dial. That's why I, I really like 
uh, probably if I had to pick one, it's not quite the topic, but Grail Watch as a phrase I've seen. Uh, I do think it's the Grand Seiko Snowflake. I just like the way that that dial looks. I can't, I cannot explain. And this is the other thing. It's like people, I see people describing watches in like very romantic terms. It's, it's like, you're, it's like you're describing like a lover. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. the way, the way the light reflects the like something. The about, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and that to me is like lugs, yeah. very oh. cool. Uh, something about that dial just, it clicks in my head and I'm like, I want that thing. Uh, so I hope to get it one day. So from my, from my standpoint, I'm happy that watches are still a thing. I've been watching, uh, I've been watching the Reddit stuff and I've been, I've been thinking hard about what, what it means to run like watch media. And, and I think recently Hodinky is doing some weird things um, that is kind of indicative of the pain that I'm going through in terms of watch media. Uh, I know that Ariel over at a blog to watch is still running the site. It's still, it's still going. Okay. Hodinky has taken a lot of cash um, from investors. And what that results in is the need to produce a product that is, that makes money, right? How do you make freaking money in the watch industry when nobody, when, when the advertisers are more focused on glamor than actual, uh, actual hardware. So I, I, I equate this, I equate this constantly to the, to the idea of hardware versus like fashion items. A Rolex for all intents and purposes is a piece of hardware. It's similar to a Sony laptop. Uh, it's something that you use every day, something that you're proud of. It's something you can pass on to your kids, quote unquote, uh, et cetera. It's not a t-shirt. It's not a pair of pants. So what's frustrating to me is to see it treated like that which it is consistently. And um, today's model was wearing these these trousers, this jacket and this Rolex. And I really worry, I really worry that, that the, the, the consolidation of this media, uh, like Hodinkee changing into basically like a a store for all intents and purposes, having that for years. Yeah. But have, but now, now it's, now it's basically done. I mean, like, so they're, they, they have their branded watches that they're trying to sell. They have their ridiculous little clocks and things. Uh, the $5,000 desk clock that they were selling, which was just completely nuts. That was yeah. fun. And it's just so frustrating to me and it's, and it, sh- and it, and, and it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be because I mean, who the hell cares ultimately it's just watches, but it, it's also vitally important because these are the, again, these are the last vestiges of, a, of the mechanical age. They're the perfect, they're the epitome of, of humanity's uh, ability to make micro, micro uh, mechanics. There's obviously there's like a, I don't know, you got like a little nanobot that can swim through your blood or whatever, but this is uh this is, this is stuff that you can still see that a human being has to put together by hand. And it's crazy. It's crazy that that's still done, but it's underappreciated. And the fact is that, that we're turning this whole industry, we're turning this journalism, watch journalism into just fawning, uh, babble, mm-hmm. uh, that is designed to sell stuff, which is really driving me nuts, but. That was there. one of my observations, you know, at the beginning of my journey, so to speak. It, you know, a lot of the media coverage, and you know, I also, you know, my background's also media, like you, John. So, like, I, I kind of look at things through that lens a lot of time. Uh, it is very like product, like catalog, like like catalogy. Like you go to, you know, Hodinkees, and you know, there's a million watch sites. Mm-hmm. All the reviews they read very like like catalog copy. It's like, mm-hmm. they're, they're, but there's no. 
I don't know if there's no demand for it, but there's no like, imagine if you had like a newspaper and there's a sports section, there's like a city hall, there's a crime beat. The all watch coverage seems to be very like descriptive and very like catalogy. And I don't see a ton of other stuff. What what kind of criticism are you missing? What kind of words are you missing? Me? I, 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 what, what, I do you, like, what do you think these things, you know, people describe them, right? You just describe what you're wearing, right? It's got this sure. bezel, it's got this dimension, it's got that. What, what What's missing? I don't, I, I feel like there's, there is, you know, where, who are the people making these things? What are the materials, where they're made of, where are they from? How are they collected? Where, uh, how are they selling? Like, is there like a Wall Street Journal for like the watch? I mean, there's, I know the FT has a pretty decent like luxury beat, uh, but like just a lot of the kind of like everyday sites you go to for watch coverage, it is almost exclusively like, look at this shiny thing, which is fine. Yeah. Like, I don't really mind. Like, I like shiny things, too. I mean, that's why Instagram exists, basically, is look at this shiny thing. Uh, but there's not much more to it. And I don't know if there's room for that. I don't know if people care. I kind of my sense after, you know, 15 years in media is that a lot of folks, uh, they like shiny things. They like toys. And that's fine. That's cool. Uh, but there doesn't, it seems to be like almost exclusively that. And I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if there's room for anything else. I had an editor years ago uh, when I worked for news corporation in New York city. Uh, he basically said that the only reason why New York media still existed was because of Rolex. Like Rolex puts one print <laughs> ad in, you know, wall street journal magazine, and that pays for the salaries of everyone on staff and so on. Yeah. And so on. <laughs> that, like nice. high-end watches pay for a lot of like prestige uh, media, which is also a, s- a separate topic, but also very interesting. But I want to I want to look at the like so so I would agree with that completely. So I I think I think the I think I think we're too far along. I think we're too far along to actually even have this conversation properly. Like I'm looking at a I'm looking I'm looking at freaking Ariel's site. What can we learn from watch enthusiast humor on Instagram, which is cute. Uh, it's fun. Uh, what can we learn? Um, but it's just such that the, 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 the need to be nice to these watchmakers because, because for all intents and purposes, they're sending you a $11,000 to $100,000 object, mm-hmm. quote unquote, piece of art, let's say. Right. And to be critical on to be critical of the industry is to is to be excluded from that world. Yeah. So we that's, that's critical. a big issue. Like we uh, do, do critical. Review. We we do critical. Yeah. You but, know, but, this but, thing costs this. They're asking this much for this thing. Should you bother? Is it yeah. worth that asking price? But look, and look, look where it got us. It got us to like the. It got the us to the, the heap. It got us to the bottom <laughs> of the heap. The toilet. The toilet of watch review sites. <laughs> it's Sorry hard to liberating. Report. We can say anything now. Yeah, we can. <laughs> We'll never get the $11,000 watch again. Actually, but this is a lie because they sent me a Moser to try on. Yeah. Right? A $30,000 gold watch, which was wonderful. Am I ever going to plop 30000 bucks down on the yeah. counter for that? No. But that's not me. But I, I know a guy who would. And and I think we all know a guy who who would, but yeah. I think we're doing that guy a disservice. And I don't want to I don't want to make this a political argument. This is a this is a, no, no. This is a fun podcast that we can all have fun. Yeah, joy, 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 uh, happy, happy. Um, but the point is, is we're at a point in that we all know a guy who would love uh, a fancy a fancy expensive watch and who could right. afford it. But we're telling that guy that 
they the only watch that you should purchase is an Omega or Rolex or uh, or something for twenty thousand dollars, and you shouldn't look at other stuff. You shouldn't look at this, and this is what Hodinkee's saying, right? This is what Hodinkee says. You shouldn't look at the 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 indie watches. You shouldn't look at anything else. You should pick up this this expensive watch. Yeah. And what does that get you? You get it gets a monoculture. It's very similar to the way they plant. They they used to plant. Um, tried to plant Christmas trees in China a couple mm-hmm. of years ago and they planted one type of balsam. And because it was a monoculture, it killed all the trees because as soon as one, one tree gets sick, everything gets sick. So you're yeah. basically in this situation where all the expensive watches are generally approximately the same. They look the same, they, they're cost the same. And then in fact, they're getting more expensive and you have this entire like flourishing underground world of, of odd watches that a aren't as good as the expensive ones for obvious reasons, but they're not as good because they don't have access to the materials. They don't have access to the machines. They don't have access to the, uh, to the movements. So we're, we're doing ourselves a disservice by, by focusing on these big brands. Uh, but if you don't focus on the big bands, brands, like you say, you don't have the advertising dollars. It's, it's, it's just wild. And to me, one of the things that like, if you, and you know, one of my biggest source of like education in the watch world was like reading through the comments on sites like Hodin, because, you know, I'm, I'm a noob. I don't know anything about this world. So I, I did learn from reading those comments and, and to your point of, you know, focusing on the Rolexes and the Omegas, uh, you know, if the second you suggest, uh, I don't know, a micro brand or, you know, whoever, someone, not them, that's like, well, you know, Rolex has a, a, a history. They have, you know, mm-hmm. they have, they have a pedigree. Of course you want a Rolex. They've, they've been around for, you know, a hundred years or whatever. Uh, why wouldn't you? So it's like, I feel like you're forced. I feel like there's a, almost like a peer pressure to like, well, yes, you want Rolex, you want Omega, you know, take your pick because those are the brands they've been around forever. And to deviate from that is like, you're, you're a fool. Why would you even bother? Well, so if you're going for parking your money for value, then then yeah, you want to park it with something that's obviously known and going to have that history and going to potentially return that value, right? And and Rolex is going to hold or increase its value at this time. That's that's what the trends are doing. But if you buy a Vacheron, you're going to give up like 30% the minute you wear it. Mm-hmm. And you're never going to see that money again. And that's okay if you want a Vacheron. If, but you know, if you want to buy the unique things, they're there. They're they're MBNF. No one can tell me MBNF is not unique. Yeah. Um, you know, you you can buy an AP. You can buy a, a Patek Nautilus. You can buy those things that are outside the range of what Omega and uh, and Rolex sell, and still be somewhat unique and still be in that higher value space. But you know, people don't talk a whole lot about those. They should. Okay, enough enough inside baseball. What what's yeah. the uh, what's the top uh, under thousand dollar watch gift that people can pick up? Yeah, this was just a fun idea. You know, I, I figure it's the end of the year. Probably people are going to be listening to this around right around Christmas time. If you guys had any, and to me again as a watch noob, I feel like the watch world is sophisticated folks who appreciate you know a fine wine or mm-hmm. what have you. What's like a fun watchy sophisticated gift? For someone who's listening to this before, uh, you know, the deadline, I'll start by explaining. I recently discovered uh, the company called Folio Society. They make very fancy books. Uh, I got a copy of Dune and what else did I get? Something else. Let's call it Dune. It is uh, to just to call it beautiful. It's like the binding, like the quality of the paper, the thickness. Of the It's like to, to your point, John, earlier, earlier, where it's like, you know, you can't believe people still make quality mm-hmm. goods this way it's like this is a book uh that 
uh, is really well made. It is just Dune. You could just get the Kindle version if you want. That's fine. But for like a fun, like here is a nice object. Uh, I think they make they make good stuff. So that's 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 basically. That. So you're into that. So I, like I'm I'm looking right now. I just found uh, I just found the fall, decline and fall of the Roman Empire in eight volumes for four thirty nine, which isn't too bad, and it's used. Uh, I would love a I would love a nice book like that. Tolkien's Tolkien's classics. You got a little. Uh, that's very nice. I like that. That's a good idea. All right, Victor, what do you think? Gift under a thousand dollars. It could be. Uh, it could, let's let's do let's do a watch. If you're, there, I was if thinking you're thinking of a watch. That. Yeah, I was thinking of a watch. Um, there's a company that we've covered before called Mayen, M A E N, and they make an automatic chronograph, and it's it's pretty unusual for a micro brand to make an automatic chronograph that isn't using the the old standard seventy seven fifty chrono. They do a really nice one. I think it's called Skymaster or Skydweller or one of these things. I think it's Skymaster. And I like it. It was it was comfortable. You'd like it, Nicholas. You'd feel really good on your wrist. And uh, it was it was about eight hundred bucks. What was what was the what was the brand? Mayen? M A E N? M A E N. Okay. Oh, I see the Hudson. There's a couple other ones. All right. So I'm going to if you're if you're buying something for a watch lover, um, I would recommend, oh gosh, under, I would recommend, so, so the orange monster is your basic watch that every, and I always recommend this every year because it's, it's the definitive, it's a definitive dive watch. If you want to, if you want a sports watch that they can wear for the rest of their lives, uh, you get them an orange monster, Seiko orange monster. You just have to look it up. You pick out which one you like. They come in multiple colors, orange being the primary one. Um, what else did I see that I liked in terms of lower cost ones? Um, I'm not a big fan of Hamilton this year. I wouldn't report. I wouldn't report a Hamilton. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend a Hamilton. Um, I still like the Tissots. I like the Tissot. Um, oh gosh, what was that one called? Sea Star. The Tissot Sea Star. I'm not sure what that's priced at though. I'm worried that might be a little bit high. But if you're going to, if you also want to do something for somebody, uh, oh, I like the Powermatic too. The new Tissot Powermatic is pretty cool. Yeah, there you go. So C Star Powermatic eighty is seven twenty five. That's a good. That's a, that's an acceptable price. Or you if you want to get, get a silicone hairspring with that, that's like yeah. anti magnetic. That's wonderful. And if you're looking for something that's like a little more uh, dressy, you can get the Dassault uh, eighty uh, Gentleman Powermatic, which is a nice one. Uh, and then for women, very specifically, I'm going to. Oh gosh, see, I want. I want women to have as much fun with her watches as men do. Uh, and I want uh, automatic watches for women. I, I hate, I hate the fact that there's so many autom- uh, so many non-automatic watches for women. That's something that uh, Hampton was working on for a while. Yeah. If I were, if I were buying something at this point, I would go on to, I would go on to eBay. I'd pick up a, it might be too late now. I would pick up a used, uh, Omega, smaller Omega from maybe the seventies, eighties, like a constellation. Yeah. Like a constellation, a smaller one. They're not, they're not that expensive. They're sometimes you'll find them underneath under, uh, uh, a thousand bucks and you're going to have, you're going to have an, we're going to have an automatic watch or a mechanical watch at the very least. I mean, if you have to go for a quartz, then I do gives, who cares? Just go buy a Burberry or whatever. Um, but if you're looking for something special, I would recommend a, this is something I've gotten into this year. I've gotten into vinyl. Uh, and obviously I'm, I'm already 45 and, uh, and I know that I know that my time is coming, 
so obviously getting into vinyl is something that that old dads do. So that's fine. But I've had a lot of fun with it. And if you have the right, if you have the right vinyl, if you have a, like some Blue Note records or some old old vinyl that you like, and all you really need is just a cheap turntable and some speakers and you're good. And the, and honestly, the better, the, the cheaper, the better when it comes to vinyl, because you really want that whole scratchy experience and the whole thing. Do you have a vinyl album to recommend folks? Oh, you need to listen to X or Y. Um, What's your heavy rotation this year? Heavy rotation. I'm listening to a lot of Grant Green. Uh, nice. I like, I like, uh, I like a little Miles Davis blues train, blue train. Um, uh, I found some really nice, I found some really nice uh, Blue Note reissues. Uh, that you, you got any Westmont Gumry over there? Not, not here right now. No, I want to. I want to talk a little bit about this one though. This is wild because music matters. Music matters, jazz. So what these guys are doing, and this will be our last. This will be our last commentary. So these guys do a thirty-three, no, forty-five RPM full-sized LP. So the point is, is you can fit, you can fit, uh, you fit less, you fit less data on the, on the record, but it's, it's a higher quality. So it plays faster, but you get, you get a, you get a better, I guess. Fidelity. Yeah. Better fidelity. So you're fitting more data on the record and you're playing, you're playing more, more information, I guess you could say, because at 45 RPM, I mean, it's all, it's, it's a physical, it's a physical process. So it's not like you're, you're talking about like a compression algorithm, but the way they do it is they put it on really nice, high, high density uh, vinyl and it sounds great. And I love it. And I've been, I, I basically come up here into my attic and I put on a record. I look at my beautiful watch and, uh, and just wait for, wait for the sweet embrace of death. That sounds very nice. Yeah. It's the only way to fly, ladies and gentlemen. Only way to fly. So, with that, <laughs> yeah, on that positive note, on that positive note, yeah, we should. Well, we should do a vinyl podcast. Actually, yeah, okay. All right. Anyway, so we're going to try to do this every week. Uh, we're going to. This is coming out around Christmas. So, happy Christmas to everybody. I'm John Biggs. I'm Victor. And I'm Nicholas DeLeon. And this has been the Our Time Podcast. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Let us know what you think. Email us, tweet us. Uh, we love you. Do you love us? Thanks for listening. Bye.